and welcome to the Just Me podcast produced in association with the Armory. I am one of your co-hosts, Dustin Diodato. And I am Andy Fitch. I'm the other co-host. And unfortunately, Batman could not be here, a.k.a. Jamie Fallon. Uh, she, she, she's feeling a little under the weather today. Yeah, which means guys night, because we have a guest, and it's a guy named Tim Canty. Hello, Tim Canty. Hi, I, I'm here. I did it. You did I'm it. I'm so excited. <laughs> uh, for those of you who don't know, the Just Me podcast, we have a guest on to come in and talk about something that is uniquely them. Tim, what is it you're going to talk about today? Yeah, um, so I, I tried to think of something as niche as possible, and so naturally when you think of that, my mind went to my fascination with a South Korean social strategy reality TV show. Naturally. Uh, naturally. <laughs> uh, you know, pretty niche, trying my best. Uh, it, it, and it, w- it would have been more if it was a North Korean social strategy show, but I'll give you South Korean for the for the purposes of this. That is fair. That is that that is not a show I would watch. <laughs> but uh the the show I did watch it is uh I guess depending on the translation it's called like The Genius or The Genius Game and I'm so excited to talk about it. <laughs> like any opportunity to talk about this that's not just like inflicting upon my friends in casual conversations like I'm going to take this opportunity every time. Do you do you have any other friends that watch this? Uh I think I've tried to get people to but it's like a little overwhelming to be like, hey, I think you would like this show. The first episode is like an hour and five minutes, and it's all subtitles. So like you cannot have it on in the background. You have to be dedicated to this. Or no Korean. Or that, yeah. that is true. Um, so I've maybe tried with two friends, and I have had zero conversions to watching this show. <laughs> well, I mean, now you're going to have a much bigger audience. So we'll see if anybody, uh, you know. Anybody I, I mean, bites? Yeah. That, I mean, I don't. I mean, more than the two friends. I'm sure you have. A, you know, you know what I'm saying, right? And that is definitely my goal: is that <laughs> somebody will listen to this and think, "Hey, maybe I would like this. Maybe Tim Canty convinced me, and now I'm going to watch it." And you know, reach out to me, and then we'll be best friends because <laughs> it's unlikely, but it's also my dream. <laughs> dream big, Tim. Yeah. Dream big. So talk us through. Tell, tell us more about the show. Uh, sure. Sell it. So um, I think the, the, the first thing uh, for me to say is that it is a uh, what I call a social strategy reality show. I feel like when talking about reality TV, there's like a lot of different subgenres of that. And, you know, uh, a lot of people have negative opinions about like specific types of reality TV. And so when I say social strategy, generally the format is, you know, contestants are eliminating each other kind of week after week. So the popular U.S. social strategy shows on right now would probably be like your survivors and your big brothers. Okay. So uh, I prefer those to like the ones where like a, a giant ball hits a person. You know what I mean? Like the wipeouty kind of. Right. Like, like kind most of extreme elimination challenge. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what is... This is called the genius. Are there geniuses on this show? Uh, well, that's that's actually uh, something I wanted to talk about, which is actually really cool in that the way they cast it is like kind of a celebrity show in that it's a lot of well-known South Korean personalities. But so when you think of like a U.S. celebrity version of a show, it's like, you know, movie stars, Hollywood people, like C or D list actors that are like trying to make a comeback. But because... Uh, kind of in South Korea, and uh, the the culture is different. 
it's actually like a much different um, kind of casting pool that they go from. So I actually wrote down kind of a couple of the different like casting types they've pulled, which like some of them you'd be like, wait, they would never cast this on like a, a in the states. So it's not like a Dancing with the Stars type thing where they're not really stars. They're not, you know. Right. You butt your tongue. Well, <laughs> no, I mean, they are stars, but I feel like it's like very selective what that pool is. Like it's like ex athletes, ex pop stars, ex actors, and mm. maybe like a Bill Nye kind of type or like a pol- ex politician type. But that's, you know, a little more rare stunt casting. Yeah. Um, so the genius tries to like cast intellectual people because in this game, like the social strategy uh, is kind of the crux of it. Like that's the marketing. Um, which is kind of nice. Uh, you know, with Survivor, it's a little bit more nature. Big Brother, it's a little bit more like goofy, wacky. But the genius is literally just like a who's smart, who can trick people kind of a game. And so for the cast, they've casted. Um, so you have like ex-politicians, you get uh, comedians, but then there's also like the top doctor from the best hospital in South <laughs> Korea. Uh, you get like, like, we don't need him. You can take him for a while. Well, you know, I'm you sure... You take him for a season. Yeah, you know, it's it's like not too hectic of a filming schedule. Like, it's not 24-7. So he can just do it on a weekend, I think. You know who's the genius there? Who? The second best doctor at the top <laughs> hospital in North Korea. Well, yeah, he's he's getting all the good all the good patients, I guess. Um, you have... Uh, they cast an ex-StarCraft professional player. Oh, who? Uh, That's amazing. Uh, this guy called Jinho. Okay. Who is apparently famous for always getting second place in like a lot of StarCraft tournaments. So that's like a running gag that he never wins. You know that person? I mean, I'm familiar with StarCraft. I don't, I I may, I don't remember everybody's name. From what it sounds like, he's like one you should know if you're into that scene. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I haven't followed the professional StarCraft scene since. the original StarCraft? Since 2012. That, well, okay. Because this is like StarCraft 1. Like he's, like he's like in his 30s now. Okay. So he's he goes way back to the, the, the old game. So I should know him. Well, I'll look it up afterwards. I'll, yeah. let, you, I'll let everybody know. Does Dustin know? You know <laughs> uh, yeah. If you're listening to this, post on the armory. And <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> um, so they, they also have like a famous gambler who had a movie based after him. Um, and then they have like somebody who's like, oh, it's... An English professor at the top English college. Oh, it's the top student at the top engineering high school in the country. And then it's like a professional Go player. So it's a lot of just like people that are just good at kind of normal, not famous kind of things. Now, do they, um, do those people like apply and get accepted or are they like recruited? Ooh, uh, I haven't looked too much into that i i assume they're probably most of them have been like reached out to would be my guess um since it's mostly like a celebrity format i feel like generally with that it's a reach out thing but i really do not know i mean you can this is available on youtube tim had sent us uh, an episode for reference and i only watched the introduction but the introduction has this sinister voice kind of explaining the game and it shows each of these people with a an envelope and like a little like crystal cube Saying like "Welcome to the game" or something like it's something like really some like James Bond secret yeah. poker game shit. Right. It it has like kind of that spy mystery kind of a thing. Yeah. So the cube they received is called a Garnet, which is the currency of the game, named after basketball legend Kevin Garnett. <laughs> well, 
I would say anything is possible, but in this case, that is not <laughs> that is not what has happened. Uh, it is Garnett after the precious metal, um, <laughs> and Idiot. which was named after <laughs> famous basketball star Kevin Garnett. Yes, uh, naturally, a red gem would be named after a famous, mostly Celtics player. Or at least that's how I know Kevin Garnett. I don't know. <laughs> Um, glad, glad we got a little bit of sports in here since we're talking about like a very nerdy topic. <laughs> Yay. Somebody going after somebody that's not me. <laughs> um, and then actually the mysterious voice is, uh, so this is kind of a major component of the show is all of the, like the directions and the rules are presented by this like creepy kind of like robotic mystery voice. And so he is referred to, I don't know if this is like a translation thing, and then this is just like what the English fandom is calling him, but he's known as Bandage Man. Okay. Um, it's literally like kind of um, like Rorschach in Watchmen. Yeah. It's just a, a guy in a suit that's got bandages. Like a faceless yep. puppet master. Right. And so he's like on the videos explaining the games to them. What if the Bandage Man is the banker from Deal or No Deal? <laughs> How, how how likely is that? Um, I, anything is possible, but <laughs> in this case, <laughs> in this case, I don't know, Andy. I'm not sure. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, and so he explains the rules, and um, basically, like the format of the show is, it starts with 13 people. Uh, the episodes have like a main match, which is generally like a social strategy game that will produce any number of winners, and generally one like ultimate loser. Uh, and that goes into the death match where the winners have immunity and sometimes they can also give immunity to a player. Um, and then the player who's the loser gets to challenge a non-immune player to a death match. And that's like a one-on-one kind of logic, bluffing, strategy kind of a battle. And the loser is out of the show. Like, is it a, it's not a literal death match, though, right? Nobody dies. Okay. It's, it's the South Korean <laughs> version of the yeah. show, Andy. Um, what would be a typical death match? Um, yeah. So if you've ever played the popular, or it used to be a popular card game, Set. Nope. It's, uh, it's like uh, 12 different like shapes that have different uh, like colors, shapes, and like shading. And it's like 12 of them. And the game is like you have to find three that have everything either in common or different. It's kind of hard to explain in an auditory way. But it might be like they're all green. They all have different shapes. And they all have different shadings. Therefore, that is a set. Okay. And so they have to like play that and like kind of like guess back and forth with each other. And also know when there's no more sets left on the board. So it's like a lot of memory and like kind of patterny brain stuff. Okay. Yeah, that is, uh, sounds very difficult. So the one person gets eliminated each show? Uh, yeah, so one person will kind of go home. And sometimes in the death matches, the other contestants will like participate to either help or hurt the contestants. So if you are like known for being sinister or like a big threat, uh, it could play against you if the death match involve like somebody else's help. Okay, because somebody may try and screw you. Right. Like, so there was one that was a little weird that was literally like rock, paper, scissors, where mm-hmm. the other contestants lined up and each contestant had to go through and play rock, paper, scissors against every contestant. And the contestant that had the lar- longest winning streak got to stay, which yeah. would be random chance, but there was like a 20 minute prep time where they got to like talk to players and make deals. Like, okay, 
you'll let me win, right? Like you'll throw scissors. And so you could either go along with the deal you made or you can try to trick them uh, and be like, well, he said he'd throw scissors, but he wants me out. So I'm going to think he's going to throw something else. So in, okay. in this kind of like bartering, like what do they have to give in exchange for somebody helping them out in a game? Right. Um, well, it's just kind of the idea of like alliances going forward. So like maybe during the game, uh, the main game, like two people work together really well. So they're like, oh, we should work together in the coming weeks and not, you know, betray each other <laughs> so that you can kind of build trust that carries throughout the show, throughout the season of the show, at least. Um, that's kind of a big aspect of it is kind of like the meta trust uh, throughout. But then there's also that currency, which is Garnets that you can win. And so you can sometimes like offer like, I will give you three of these Garnets, which are used like in the game and eventually like are traded in for prize money by the grand winner at the end of the show. So there's only one winner. Yeah. It keeps going until there's two. And then there's kind of a grand final, which is like a couple different bigger death matches uh, to crown the champion. So is there some kind of other conceit where like everybody's living in the same mansion or something like that? Or do they just all agree to come back <laughs> to the same place to play these like card games and stuff once a week? Yeah, um, this is this is like the one part of the show that's a little bit um, non-ideal, in, like in my perspective, which is that. Can I guess what it is? Yeah, guess what it is. Are they living in a Zeppelin? Oh, Nope. How would, that, how would that not be ideal? I, would you want to live in a Zeppelin with like 13 strangers and then like a film crew? No, but I would want to watch people who lived in a Zeppelin with 13 strangers and a film crew. That do, would make do you have a better guess? Um, uh, that, that because it all happens over a short amount of time, uh, we don't see their personal interactions uh, to that level of like where we see the social stuff too. Oh, That's my guess. So it like Mine's everything boring. was filmed in like one day sort of thing, you mean? Yeah. Cuz you said it, it happened over a short period of time, so my assumption is that you don't have the big brother type thing where they're also like bonding and making out and drinking. Right. Um so <laughs> who's closest? <laughs> who's closest? Um I'd say both are somewhat far. I guess oh, okay. Dustin is closer by virtue of not being by Zeppelin. virtue of not being in the air, do Zeppelins <laughs> exist? Yeah, yeah. Um, that that's a question that I've, I've see if either of you know this. Okay. Um, I don't know whether or not Zeppelins do exist. Well, I, mean, they, like I know they exist. exist. Yeah, I mean, like... I don't know whether or not Zeppelins are still made. But I remember somebody talking. I was in Germany, and somebody was talking about how like the town that they had, uh, there was like one town over that they were going to visit had a Zeppelin factory, um, and I was like, oh. I don't know how many Zeppelins and or blimps or whatever you want to call it have been built ever. Like, I don't know if it's a hundred or a hundred thousand yeah. or you know what I mean? Like, I don't have any clue how many Zeppelins have ever existed. Did, did, do you? Did you find out? No. How? There's no way to find out. You can't just type like how many Zeppelins are there into... Siri, like, <laughs> how many Zeppelins exist? Um, are blimps... This might be like the worst question. How reusable is a blimp? Like well, Goodyear has a was that like the same blimp every time Goodyear yeah. flew it? Yeah, there's only well, like a handful. I was gonna, I'm like, I'm gonna throw a guess out there. Okay, I'm gonna say you, we're talking all of time. Yeah, yeah, from the first Zeppelin to present day. <laughs> right. I'm gonna say most of them come recently. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm gonna say like forty to forty-five. 
maybe. I, I, I was going to say, like, my guess would be like 5,000. Really? Yeah. But who who's building them? I mean, and for what purpose? Robert Plant. Traveling. Going Traveling. from one place to another. I mean, they used to be before, <laughs> before what's his face? Before that, the, uh, the big one. John Bonham. No, <laughs> the the big Zeppelin, the, like the the Hindenburg, the Hindenburg. Before the Hindenburg, it was like everybody got everywhere. Like, like <laughs> what? That, wait, are you saying that's how everyone got everywhere in a Zeppelin? <laughs> not like all the time, but it was far more common than it is now. I'm not I saying remember it. back in the day, mom and dad would pack us a lunch and we'd all pile into the <laughs> Zeppelin and go down to Coney Island for a nice, a nice. Evening picnic. That would be a great place to take a Zeppelin, by the way. Yeah. That would be the place to go. Sorry. Anyway, uh, so Dustin yeah. was closer. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Dustin was closer. Uh, again, if, if anyone does know, please, I, I want to know the answer to that Zeppelin <laughs> question. So if we've yeah. got any experts, I, I personally need to know that now. So if you know a Zeppelin expert, get him on this show, <laughs> yes. please. Oh yeah, I'll I'll try to network. I'll I'll try to find someone. Um, right. But <laughs> who who's a performer at the Armory currently? Right. <laughs> um, or if not, we'll break the rule for that for, right. for, for Zeppelin expert. Anyway, so what is the thing that we right. both got wrong? Well, the trick to knowing uh, the answer to the question is the fact that a lot of the contestants are somewhat uh, celebrities, which means that with any kind of a celebrity reality show, scheduled scheduling is tough. So basically, they would film one episode every week, and then there was like a week in between. And so there was sometimes references of like texts, messages being sent, or like two people got lunch and discussed, and like somebody found out about it. Uh, like the the shows would usually start with a gossip segment where like two or three people would get there before everyone else, and then they'd be like, "Did you hear what um, Dongmin was talking about? He sent me a message about a secret pact." Um, so there's like a little bit of that intrigue to it. That's um, interesting, right? But but this wasn't happening like like near near live. Like even though a week would go by, in in theory, like you know, like the rest of the world didn't know what that what was happening because they weren't airing yet. Well, or is that incorrect? I actually think, and this is where I'm like, am I remembering this or did this? I think I remember hearing that on a on a couple of the seasons. The episodes, like the first couple episodes, would start airing near the end of the season. Okay. So it was like down to like, you know, six people left. And then you found out like, wait, you were lying to me five weeks ago? <laughs> like, <laughs> what is this? Um, which, again, is like why it's like kind of not ideal to have people like kind of out in the wild to be like contaminated by fans or, mm. you know, out non-canon discussions that, you know, the show's producers can't capture, uh, yeah. which is definitely like the downside of it. Um, but they, you know, because each game is kind of its own thing, it's like fairly well self-contained in terms of the actual like episode strategy. So how did you happen? How do you happen upon this? Like a, a social strategy South Korean reality show is not something that you just like. Uh, maybe it is something that you just happened upon. But how, like, how did it happen? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I think it, it, it goes all the way back to the summer of the year 2000. Uh, which, as any reality show connoisseur would know, uh, that's when uh, Survivor came out. Um, and so I watched it and, like, loved it. I think I watched, like, episode three, and I was, like, hooked throughout. Because, um, like, the strategy wasn't really, like, the primary focus of that show, but the fact that, like, 
you had this like Richard Hatch character being like, these people are so dumb. I'm tricking them. I'm going to win a million dollars. Like that concept was just so cool to me. Um, so I like kept watching for like the first couple seasons. Then I kind of fell off of it. Cause like, you know, high school, that kind of stuff happened. And, and at that time, like, because reality shows were pretty new, it's, um, uh, I don't know the right word, but it's sort of like, you know, like snow before people walk on it. Like fresh. Yeah. Um, like, so he could have a strategy and nobody had ever seen it before. It was all, like, virgin territory, you right. know? Um, afterwards, people were like, wait a minute, I think you're you're a scumbag. But then it was just like, everybody's nice because we're all in this together. Right, yeah. And so the show's definitely changed. So I got back into it in 2012. And basically, at this point, Survivor and Big Brother as well are basically focused on social strategy above all else. Hmm. Like, Survivor will have some, like, survival scenes but most of the show is people talking about, like, who are we going to vote out? Do I trust you? Do I trust him? Do I trust her? I'm not sure. And that kind of is what drives, like, the narrative of the show. And Big Brother is goofier, but in the same way, it's all about, like, who's going to be eliminated? Who am I partnered with? That kind of a thing. Um, well, so Big Brother yeah. seems to eliminate, like, all of the competition, though, doesn't it? Like, or at least, like, with Survivor, the bugs. Like, Big Brother, I always assume, was just, like, people... Chill. It's like Big Brother has it's similar to like, you know, people getting hit with like balloons and stuff. It's like those kind of challenges where like there's like a pool of like jello or something like that. And they have to walk a plank like carrying a spoon on it or <laughs> with an egg on it or something like they're like, those, that's the kind of goofy stuff they would do to win. Right. And and Big Brother is a little complicated because there's like the UK version of it, which the first US season was the same format where it's literally just like people in a house drinking, partying, arguing. And then America ends up like voting house guests out of the show. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, like, you know, we love Andy Fitch. Andy Fitch is great TV. We're keeping in him for as long as possible. But like Dustin, uh, I don't know. Like we maybe, you know, he's not fighting enough. Maybe he's, you know, he's not he's not partying until 4 a.m. So we're going to vote him out of the show. Look, I know you're just giving an example, but that hurts. I'm so <laughs> sorry. The, I started saying it, and then I immediately felt like a jerk. And so I sincerely okay. apologize well, for that. As long as you felt like a jerk. I I'm going like, to okay. win Big Brother. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, but anyway, so that's the UK format. And uh, it didn't work too well in the US, so they actually switched it to make it more like Survivor, which, of course, worked extremely well in the US. And so now it is more of a social strategy game where... Some it, the rules are complicated, but at the end of the day, it's like somebody goes home, people vote on who goes home in the house, and so it's a strategy game. So, uh, ow! So, uh, but oh, that that still, that still hasn't gotten us to right how you ended up on watching this show, right? And so, as I got more and more into Survivor and Big Brother, I started really diving into um, a lot of the more niche aspects of it. So that includes like kind of like podcasts that would do like exit interviews. Uh, with Big Brother, it's like live feeds and people are talking about what's happening on the live feeds because that's 24-7 coverage. Um, there's people that like analyze the edits of Survivor. It's called Edgic. And basically, <laughs> the idea of it is that by watching the show and noticing the choices production makes, like, oh, Dustin got five confessionals, and in two of them, he was talking about somebody else. But in the other three, he was talking about his own strategies. Therefore, Dustin is likely to win Survivor. And so they use Edgic to like predict the winner of the show based purely on the edit. How how accurate do those get? Um, I think Survivor in the past like 
four or five seasons has started to realize that those communities exist. And so there's been a couple seasons where they kind of edit the winner differently or edit somebody else as if to be the winner, but then kind of subvert it right at the end. Yeah. Um, but there's definitely like a pool of possible winners that gets very small, very fast. If you kind of get really nerdy about it, like if someone isn't in the first five episodes, like, sorry, they didn't win. Mm -hmm. So with the, how many seasons of this has there, have there been Uh survivor? I think there's been, Oh no, no. Uh, oh, the genius, the genius. So the genius, there was four seasons. And just to kind of close the loop on my long meandery answer, uh, through those communities, somebody was like, oh, but this game is better than them because it's more strategy and it's all about betraying. And so I was like, I'm in. And <laughs> so then I watched it. it. It seems like, at least with a logic part of it, that like compared to other games that are out there, you could play along. Like you could see how you would do. You know? Or maybe not, I guess. I think like the... Because in, in the genius, you can a lot more. Because like it's more like logic based. Mm -hmm. uh, the games are definitely like, oh, this is a good strategy for this. Whereas with like Survivor, so much of it is just social. Like who likes you? Yeah. Who is lying to you? That like thinking up for me about would I be good socially is like asking would people like me? Could I make people <laughs> like me and then lie to them and they still like me? Which I feel like I'm kind of bad about it because I get paranoid and I think like people don't like me. <laughs> So people like you. How well do you think you would do on the genius? Uh, I think the genius would be my best show. I think really? on Survivor and Big Brother, I would come out as somebody that likes puzzles and like likes thinking strategy, and that would make me a threat, and then I would be eliminated early. That and I can be like a little bit awkward and shy, which is really really bad for these kind of games. Hmm. Although I don't know, because what was the game that we played on the intrip? The um. Oh, Mafia. Yeah. Um. And, like, you made yourself a target by virtue of being the expert on it, although I made myself a target, too, and we both got eliminated right. uh, too quickly. But I wonder if, like, because you were good at it, like, you would get you would get kicked off quickly. Uh, right. It, I mean, like, there's a lot of um, contestants that are, like, huge fans of these shows that go on, and they hide it because they know that if, you know, because some people on Survivor, it was like, oh, you're a model slash actor, and somebody saw you in a club and was like, hey, you're fun. We're going to mm -hmm. cast you on this reality show. And then they watch one season of it, and that's all they know going in. Mm -hmm. Whereas, like, somebody, um, you know, that has done the kind of, like, put in the time that I have will, like, hide that because then it's like, oh, this person knows the show. Yeah. So they need to go. So for those who don't know, Mafia is a game where uh, the contestants uh, <laughs> have different roles, and only the people with the same roles know who has that same role. And the goal is to try and vote out the basically the other team. This is the mo a very simplified version of that, which I would compare to another reality show that was always my favorite called The Mole. Oh, yeah. That's a great one. How similar is something like The Mole in strategy to something like The Genius? Um, well, I, I know that like The Mole is like one long-term game, but... Right. And The Genius is too, right? Because like, there's one game per episode, but it's the same people, and once you're eliminated, you're right. out for the season. Right. Um, I think the thing with the mole and why it's not still on, because I, I love that show so much, is that it um you kind of by the end you know you're right. Because hmm. basically the format of the mole is there's like challenges where you win money, but that those don't matter. What really matters is that there's someone that's in on it through production and they try to sabotage the teams as much as production lets them, 
while still being sneaky. And then the elimination mechanic for the show is you take a quiz about who you think the mole is, and the worst score goes home. So if you're down to the final five, that means you've done really well on the quizzes, which means like, hey, you know who the mole is. Mm-hmm. So the final is basically like, hey, who's better at taking a multiple choice quiz about the mole because you both know who the mole is. And they try to make it dramatic, but it, you had to know that they knew who the mole was by the end of the show. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'm with you. Anderson Cooper, though. <laughs> he was great. What a great host. Um, oh, yeah. Is there a host to this game? Um, it's it the Bandage, bandage Man. man? <laughs> Do you ever see the Bandage Man? Uh, just it's in videos. Like a, a shadowy... Yeah, he's just a, in a shadowy office. It, it has Was he a constant through all four seasons? Uh, I believe so. I think the voice changed because like, they changed the voice actor at one point. Yeah. So there was like talk of, like, who's the new Bandage Man? But that was not like a real thing. So was there a storyline for the bandage man? Like, was there justification for why this, like, this man with his face wrapped up was like, play my games? <laughs> like, cause that sounds like a horror movie. Right. And absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> so there, was there a storyline through the seasons? Uh, yeah. I mean, there was definitely like the people that were set up to be rooted for, you know, it was kind of like you pick who you like. Yeah. And they definitely like really showed, um, particular characters as being like, oh, they got tricked and they're down on their luck. But uh, would they paint other people as like the villainous kind of they'd like play up? Right there. And one one tool they use that I think is really well done on the genius and is very underutilized kind of across the board in American reality TV shows is they do a lot of um, nonlinear storytelling, uh, which is really great because basically what will happen is they'll like they'll show the episode and then they'll like cut like two hours later and they'll show everyone being like, what what just (laughs) happened what um and then they cut back and they might like follow andy's story and it's like oh andy's coming up with a strategy andy's like making allies and it's like andy's group and they are like oh we tricked people we know we're gonna win we're set up and then it goes to the end when the results are revealed and all of a sudden even though their plan was perfect dustin wins Dustin wins. Yay. And then you're like, wait, what was Dustin doing? And then they actually do like a camera rewind thing of like. That's cool. And then they show Dustin was like, oh, like lie to Andy. <laughs> lie to Andy about this. Make Andy feel really good about this. But really, you're tricking him. Um, and so it really sets up for these huge reveals where you're like, oh, my God, I did not know that was going to happen. Now I do want to watch this. Hey, that's the goal. <laughs> <laughs> so did with these shows, these People who are, I mean, famous or successful in some respect, do they stay in the limelight for that? Or is it just something they kind of do and go back to their lives? Um, I think it's like a, I think in, in general, it's like kind of in a larger category of like Korean, uh, like variety shows where they get these kind of people on just like different like panels or like there's been like these like mystery solvy variety shows I've heard of. Um, it's It's not... It's not something like I've investigated, but I think it's kind of similar to how like in uh, in the UK, there's like those panel shows where it's kind of the same general like sphere of people. Yeah. I think it's mostly comedians yeah. in the UK, but I think it's like that similar subset of people that just kind of appear on these random different format of shows. Mm. I, I was happy when I like I, I watched a little bit of the clip that you had sent us. I was happy just because I'm so used to when when you're just talking about like North American reality shows, uh, how broy it tends to be, you know, like most of the people on those shows, at least the ones that I've I've seen, are are like 
dudes who wear, you know, like tank tops all the time. <laughs> or you know what I mean? Or like, no tank top. Yeah, or no <laughs> tank top. Um so like seeing that they were all kind of like looked classy to me, it was like, hey, I've never that that never happens. <laughs> like, look at that. But I mean, if you were reading the subtitles, bro was like every third word. <laughs> <Sure. laughs> It's it is funny you say that because uh, on the night we're filming, it is a Big Brother live eviction, and the two people that might go home tonight are both. They call themselves the Bros. <laughs> the the show's editing calls them the Bros. <laughs> they use bro in every like confessional they give. Like, to the they call the camera bro basically. It, it like bro. <laughs> this is the worst. Like they, that's what they're doing, right? No, okay. you were. That was that sounded like one of them. Actually, that was really good, Andy. <laughs> that was dead on. Yeah, I mean, you're one of the people I would consider to be pretty broy. Yeah, of yeah. anybody that I know, you're. That's me super all over. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like the, for, example, for example, for those at home, Andy's not wearing a shirt right now. I own stock true. in Ed Hardy t-shirts. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, I have a lifetime supply of hair gel. Uh, you know, Axe body spray. Yeah. Oh, no. I'm aware. I can yeah. smell it from here. Everyone who comes to my wedding is getting that as a gift. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Uh, and you know who I'm marrying? Gina. <laughs> the singular... D- you know that one person in America named Gina? Yeah. Bro. She's going to be my wife. <laughs> I mean, bros marry uh, Gina, shout right? Out to I Gina. mean, that's like the... Gina, baby, I love you. Andy, you got to get on one of these shows. <laughs> You're the perfect archetype. I wanted yeah. to ask you about this, and I feel like I've brought it up before. Uh, a friend of mine always loved the idea of sending in, this is early, this is probably like early aughts, so okay. like right after um, Survivor had kind of started. And, you know, shows like uh, Real World and Road Rules and Real World Rules Real, Real Challenge. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Real World Real, Real Challenge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, when those shows had like just, they, they had existed for a while and Survivor became kind of the culture from now on. Man, cultural phenomenon. <laughs> there you go. <sighs> bro. Bro. It's hard to say. Bro, just sound it out, bro. Uh, when that had kind of started, a friend of mine, he would always talk about sending in a video, uh, a, you know, to see if he could get on a show and paint himself as the most controversial, aggressive, unlikable character so that he would get cast as, they're like, oh, this is going to be the villain, the villain right. in our mm-hmm. season. Yep. And then when he gets there have like one thing he did like just be super chill and only be focused on one thing like he would be in the big brother house and he'd always just be like i want a sandwich anybody else want a sandwich like sandwiches would be the (laughs) thing he's always talking about and always doing Um, just in the idea that like it would be fun for people who are in the know to watch and also that it would kind of ruin their plans and it was just to see how they would try and like Mm. you know direct the rest of the show around that so that that's happened is it really? You're, you've actually said things that have like specifically happened. Um, so there's like sandwich guy. <laughs> two examples. Well, there wasn't a sandwich guy. Okay. But last summer on Big Brother 19, there was this guy called Matt, who like was uh, a yes. recruit. He didn't know the show at all, and like he didn't do anything interesting. <laughs> and basically on the live feeds, it was just him eating cereal all day, <laughs> and like people would just oh come up God. to him and be like, "Hey." You, and you're like, what are you, are you just eating cereal? And he's like, yeah, I'm going to try to get the record for like the most <laughs> cereals eaten. And it like would be fine. But like he added nothing to the show and was just awful casting. Oh, my God. That sounds like he added. And, they, so and he much. wasn't eliminated because nobody was like, who gives a fuck about this? They guy? forget he was there. Well, yeah. he well, because he was a nothing. Like generally, the idea is you want to eliminate threats. And mm-hmm. so since he was just eating cereal yeah. and like smooching his 
show girlfriend or whatever, he <laughs> was just a non-entity. So nobody eliminated him. So he stayed in the show like for way too long while being so boring. <laughs> I'd, I'm just picturing like them trying to drum up drama with this. And they're like, okay, Carol, I know that I know that Matt is your boyfriend on the show right now, but uh, we need we need something to spice Matt up. So <laughs> we need you to confront Matt and talk about how you're jealous of all the time he's spending with cereal. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's fair. And then there there was another instance, again, kind of revealing how niche into this I am. But on uh, the Canadian Big Brother, which is similar to U.S., there was a contestant that, like, in her introduction videos, was like, "Look, I am like heartless. Like, I will backstab." everyone like i will make friends with people and then i will tear their heart out and then she got on the show and was like literally crying the entire time she was like i am so sorry i hurt your feelings i feel so bad about and like she did nothing because she was just crying the whole time do you think that was her like just being overwhelmed once she was in that situation or yeah i mean being on tv by itself is probably a lot psychologically but being locked in a house for like literally two to three months with like people that are cast because they create drama is a lot to ask of anyone and add in the fact that you're playing like a social strategy paranoid game like Mm -hmm. imagine the paranoia you would feel in a game of mafia and then just like take that you know one to two hours of your life and that's your whole life for a month plus yeah yeah i would i would be awful at it in, in Big Brother, yeah, I'd be awful to any of them because I am. Oh, I'm always paranoid that people don't don't like me, right? Uh, so I would just be nervous the whole time and just be like, "Why are they talking? Who are the people talking over there? Why are they talking over there? They're talking about me. They're talking about how they're going to eliminate me. That's yeah, that's 100 percent what they're doing, right? And then I would be mad at them because like, "Fuck you! Why are you trying to eliminate me? Like, <laughs> what did you do, like, bro, bro? You're coming at me, bro." Right <laughs> yeah, I mean that's a lot of the shows is that even people that aren't naturally inclined to be like socially paranoid and I think I'm a very socially paranoid person like it comes out of just about anyone where like Mm. literally people are having a conversation and like people will like barge in like what are you talking about yeah just to try to catch them off guard or something Uh, cool uh all right uh do we want to add anything else to that or do we want to move on to the speed round um let's see i think that's about it i think i've basically convince people to watch the show i mean yeah you said you might consider it so yeah i mean it something. sounds interesting i don't think andy is on board no i i'm interested i was interested just from the the intro that i had seen okay it's it's, mm. it's intriguing i don't know if i'll delve into four seasons but sure fair uh, i and like i know this is like a negative thing on america but like my my thought was like oh they should bring this to america Tread this lightly, sounds, bro <laughs> <laughs> this sounds interesting like a thing that would happen in like that should come to america right. have a american version of it but it's like if the choices are like complex math puzzle or guy gets hit with a cake like, right america's gonna choose guy gets hit with a cake yeah every single time so like i don't know how you could bring this to america without it easily being crushed by like oh look that guy got hit in the balls like yeah it, it is very true and it's tough and like there's definitely been ones that have like a lot like not a math component, but definitely like kind of a game theory combinatorics standpoint to it. So like there's definitely like just scenes of like somebody sitting around with like a pencil and he's like, all right, here's the plan, guys. Like we can do this. Um, And so it's a lot of like kind of figuring stuff out and like strategizing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And like the show will have an overlay with graphics as the person's explaining the strategy because it's like that complicated. 
So to sell it to like a major TV network, like I don't think that's possible. Maybe with these new streaming models nowadays, maybe there's some flexibility there. But, you know, I think it seems like it's mostly comedy and indie drama on those. Has -hmm. has it been adapted in any other countries? Um, Pretty sure no. I think it's just, it's a very, like it just, uh, it's, it's hard to like have a strategy game puzzle kind of an aspect. Be good TV. Yeah. I feel like this is something that could work on like, uh, like YouTube red or something like that. Right. Mm -hmm. Like specifically subscription based. That is true. So you, you, are they still making it? Um, no. So they, they made another show that I tried to watch called the society game. Which like actually did have the people in like a twenty four hour facility, um, and it was it didn't pull me in. It was fine, but uh, I heard they're working on another show now, like the production company, but it will not be genius. So I think it's over at least for the foreseeable future, which is kind of sad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway. Yeah. Uh, so let's get into our speed round. Oh boy. Uh, we'll start with music, which are just me, musician, or music, or whatever. Uh, yeah. So this one's really hard for me, because I feel like I don't, like, I don't, other than what Spotify tells me I like, I have a hard time discovering new music. And if Spotify is telling me, it's probably not that just me. <laughs> it's just, like, just the AI. Um, <laughs> but I will say, like, music that I like that I find that most people don't like, so it's very divisive. Um, I like... I will say I I don't consider myself a hipster, but I do like some Animal Collective, and I feel like that gets a lot of groans from a lot of people. I, like I, I don't know collective. I don't know Animal Collective. They're good. Yeah, it's like very arrhythmic at times, which I think people are like, "What is this nonsense?" Yeah. The way I used to get all my like music that wasn't mainstream was um, I whenever I was doing like a sketch show or something like that, and I needed music to go in between, I would look for like logically titled music and then just like download everything that was logically titled that and like one of the 10 songs was like oh that's not bad i like that group now like that's fair yeah um otherwise like i don't know how to find new music that's not everybody already likes it i mean it's it's a different there are so many different avenues now like i remember you know a decade ago just like i would be on when myspace was a thing Mm -hmm. you'd be just be going from like MySpace page to MySpace because people like musicians actually used it as like right. a platform yeah. so you could stream their music. And I found so many different musicians from that, a lot of whom never went on to any kind of success. So I have all these bands that I love yeah. that never made it past kind of like local fame. And then right. the handful of us that found them on the internet. And I'm trying to turn people onto them. I'm like, you got to listen to it. But it doesn't exist on the internet anymore. Right. Right. I, I they saw, haven't been a band forever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I saw a tweet uh, recently that was just uh, very funny. It was like a tweet by like, like a high school age person, and they basically were saying like, "Hey, here's an idea, Twitter. How come when people come to my Twitter page, they it should play music that I like? <laughs> that should be a Twitter feature." Yeah. I um, I was on the subway today, coming home to re- to record this. Yeah, uh, and somebody was talking about some guy um, who was trying to get in touch with him, and he was like, he messaged me on MySpace, and he expected me to get it. <laughs> He's like, why did he message me on MySpace? And I was like, yeah, exactly. Like, like, why in 2018 would you be like, oh, I'll send that person to that person's MySpace page, and they'll definitely get it, just in case. Yeah, 
You just gotta use all avenues, you know. Yeah, no, but use another one. Don't only use that one. Is my right. point. It appears that that person only used that avenue. Well, I mean, the guy still had a MySpace, so part of that's on him. That's true. Yeah, because yeah, I think I think they got eliminated at some point. Because like I think I like tried to go back. Wow. Oh. My I, old one. I deleted mine in fear that I would forget my password. Like I hadn't gone on in a long time, but I I was just like I don't have anything embarrassing on there. But then I'm like I might be embarrassed of this in the future. And I might forget my password. And so in its, like, heyday, I deleted MySpace, which was, like, n- nonsense right. to my friends. But. That's probably a good idea, because I think mine would have been associated with my, like, AOL account, which right. has long since gone away. Yeah. Just... Well, you don't have to worry about LiveJournal, because that got bought by, I believe, like, the Russians. Really? Oh, okay. Yeah, because LiveJournal started getting used. Um, like, it was basically completely out of style, uh, in the West, yeah. but a lot of like Russian Putin dissenters realized, oh, Live Journal's like a place that's kind of out of the you know purview yeah. of social media monitoring, and so we can put a lot of like anti-Putin stuff. And so basically, what happened was kind of they started to realize, oh, this is how a lot of anti-Putin dissenters are organizing, and so they basically got like one of the oligarchs to like buy Live Journal and literally like move the servers to russia so like basically like all those stupid journal entries you wrote about like your early high school memories (laughs) like they're in russia now and that's where they live oh mine are all on like blogger Uh, i was gonna say blogspot yeah yeah. have the russian dissenters moved on to like zanga or something (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you know i don't know you gotta you gotta organize (laughs) okay um so movie which are just me movie. All right. Uh, I don't know if this is niche enough, but this is a movie I love. It's a movie that I had to watch 10 times. And I think I understand. Had to? I had to. Because okay. in 10 viewings, I think I understand 90% of the movie. Okay. And it's called Primer. Uh, it's an indie movie that was made for $5,000 by a physics major. And it's basically an attempt to depict time travel as accurately as possible. And so it's a time travel story with an unreliable narrator and a <laughs> nonlinear narrative. And it gets very complicated I'm very quickly. Already. You mean because like because for the narrator the past has changed, so it, like, uh, like is that what you mean? Like, like, or, let's like just, when you say unreliable narrator, I'm trying to understand what you mean by that. A narrator is just like no, bro, I'll be there to pick you up. And then he never picks <laughs> yeah, you bro. up. Like that kind of right. unreliable. Basically what it is, is so if you're a bro and you go in the primer box, <laughs> now there's two bros out there. Because it's okay. you, the bro, and then your bro copy of yourself. And then you go on Big Brother. <laughs> and so, yeah. And then you can do a twin twist on Big Brother, which they've done before, where there's twins pretending that they're not twins. Really? They have done that on Big Brother. Wow. Um, but yeah, so basically, let's just say the narrator is not necessarily the first iteration of the person that invented the time machine, but one of maybe the copies of the person. Oh, wow. That that also sounds fascinating. Is this something you can find like on Netflix or something? Uh, or Amazon? I hope so. I, I, I haven't looked, but it's worth the watch. Again, it's worth the three to four watches, because honestly, that first watch, all you're going to get is a headache. That's it. Is this a full-length movie? Uh, yeah. It's, it's not like too, too long, but it's... Definitely long. Like, if you like Inception, that's, like, the movie. Like, if you like this, this is that, but way more. Okay. There you go. Do you have a Just Me Food? Uh, This is one that I think is more like people judge me because I like it. Um, (laughs) 
So like growing up, you know, it's like, what birthday cake do you want? And I feel like a lot of people, you know, either want like a really nice sheet cake or like they want like a Carvel ice cream cake, something really fun. Fudgy. Um, I love cookie cake. Yeah. I love it so much. That's a high five. You're not getting one from me. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Do you dislike cookies? I like cookies, but that's too much cookie. That's like, I like it's usually too thick for cookiness. Okay. Um, and it's usually like because I'm one of those people where like, all right, it's in front of me. I will keep eating until <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> so like, anytime I go like for if it's a cake cake, then I'll stop. But if it's something like a cookie cake, then I would just be like slowly eating, even though like it's sort of like if you've ever gotten um, like popcorn at like a baseball game or something like yeah. that, yeah. you know, where um, you just keep eating it because it's there. And at a certain point, you don't want to keep eating it anymore, but you do because you, you got to finish the bag. I understand that. And that to me is like a plus. <laughs> really? <laughs> like yeah, like let's Bang just for your butt. <laughs> get a cookie cake, start snacking on it. You're having a birthday. I'm not You're having a good birthday. I I'm not too proud to say. I I don't think I've ever had one for my birthday. I think more times than not, I've had a cookie cake when I've purchased one for myself. Oh. <laughs> well, like my mom would get them because alone. I would request them. What's that? Alone. You were just alone. <laughs> well, it was like, like like some friends and I would be like we'd go to get like snacks or something like for a movie and then it would be like buy a a bag of cookies for like four bucks or for six bucks, buy a cookie cake and have somebody right. write my name on it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, somebody got me like a, like a personal sized cookie cake at Insomnia. That's wow. a great cookie place here in the city. And it was um, so good. Like it was, it was personal sized and it was given in a context where I was like, I'm going to go home and eat this. And then I went home all, all alone in my room <laughs> and I ate the full <laughs> It was, you know, it, it was bigger than, it was big enough that it shouldn't have been eaten in one sitting. Yeah. Uh, it got eaten in one sitting. Yeah. It was amazing. But, but did you find yourself like kind of hating yourself towards the end or just not even, your, not hating yourself, but just being like, I don't want to eat any more of this, but I'm four bites away. Um, no, I mean, it, it, it's my birthday. I was, <laughs> I was having a great time. It's like, it's my birthday. Let's go. Let's eat the cookie cake. So the, the common cookie cake is almost always chocolate chip. I don't yeah. think I've ever had a different kind have you i don't think so and i think it's because of people like dustin like that opinion what? that they don't like cookie cakes is like no i've like a, a lot of people a lot of people are like no it's it's low quality it's just like a bad cookie with icing on it and like they're not wrong but a bad cookie with icing on it is great it's there you, you're totally correct <laughs> thank you but if you had to but it's but it's my fault that you only get well no i'm just like, saying your attitude is like indicative of what i feel like the majority of people Big Cookie listens to people like you. <laughs> <laughs> Big Cookie. It's a conspiracy. Um, um, well, I mean, I feel like this is just me thing. I I would prefer pie over cake. Ooh. What would you... <laughs> Dustin just rolled his eyes so hard it looked like it yeah. hurt him. <laughs> the look of, I've never seen that level of scorn <laughs> on Dustin's face. It's, it's different world. It's... It, like first of all, different world. This isn't like sort of right. South Korea and, and the United States. <laughs> Let me point out though that Dustin's hatred of liking pies more than cakes is more than his earlier concern about like bros in reality TV. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> well, no, I, I, 
I will enjoy a good. I will enjoy a good apple pie. Yeah. Uh, it drops yeah. off pretty. For me, it drops off heavily after apple pie. Strawberry uh, rhubarb. Yeah. No, thank you. Uh, Have you had it? No, but <laughs> but like I I don't want like I don't like fruit in my. Apple is a fruit. I know, but yes. apple's like the only fruit that I like. Like, I don't need all those other things. Whereas, like, cake, every cake is good. <laughs> I strongly disagree. Wow. You're... I have had some terrible cakes. And also, I don't know if this is the same for you guys, but when I was a child, I hated the cake portion. I would only eat the frosting. And I hit, like, 13, mm-hmm. and it, the frosting was just, like, too rich for me. Andy, can I tell you something? Please do. That is just you. <laughs> that is only you. Um, all right. You? Well, anyway. <laughs> uh, and then lastly... You're just me, celebrity crush. Yeah, uh, this is hard. Um, I have a tough time uh, with celebrity crushes. Um, if we were talking about reality TV crushes, I would say right now it is Tyler on Big Brother 20. <laughs> uh, he was my first draft pick in my Big Brother draft. Uh-huh. He is amazing, and he's just a great person all around. In terms of like a celebrity celebrity crush and not a reality celebrity crush, I know those are different. Uh, I guess I would have to say Claudia Claudia O'Doherty. Ah, yes. She's on Love, um, an Australian comedian on like Comedy oh, okay. Bang Bang yeah. podcasts. Uh, she's just great. People need to know it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I, I agree. There you go. Well, hopefully she'll be listening and uh, she'll reach out. Yeah. And if she knows about the Zeppelin thing, please, <laughs> please reach out to us. Is there hundreds? Is there thousands? We don't know. Yeah. Bro. Bro. After I get married, <laughs> me and Gina are going to go up in the Zeppelin. There's going to be a banner behind it that says, just married, bro. Yeah. Hey, anything is possible. <laughs> We're getting there tattooed on our foreheads. Okay. Is there anything you want to <laughs> plug? Uh, Sure. So um, let's see. Uh, you can catch me uh, doing musical improv mm. every Tuesday night at the Magnet Theater uh, with my team, Kitty Hawk. Uh, I love them with my whole heart. And uh, we're going to do some really dumb stuff up there. So come check it out. Um, additionally, my uh, depending on when you're listening to this, my new Armory team, fairly new at this point, uh, we are called Cute. And uh, our show is, our next show is Friday, July 20th, 27th. 27th. Yeah. Um, yeah. And those that's how you can see me perform. And just so you're not confused, this is Cute. All lowercase with an exclamation point. Right. Yeah. And thanks for pointing that out, Andy, because that is very important. You don't want to go see cute, all caps, period. Yeah, that's a metal band. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you uh, so much for joining us. Yeah. No, I. this is a, this is a goal, a dream, accomplished. Uh, and again, if anyone watches this weird show I like, just I just need to know that you're out there. So just reach out to me, and it's going gonna, it, gonna to make me really happy. Thanks for listening. Talk to you later. Bro. Bro.